Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, Nintendo's new Switch has a pretty screen, but the same old chip, how hundreds of businesses got caught in the same ransomware attack, and Audacity is not, in fact, spyware after all. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, July 6th, 2021 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer. Sarah Lane is off today, but we've got Owen J.J. Stone, a.k.a. O-Doctor, back in the house. Welcome back, Owen. Good to have you, man. You thought you had me, but no Sarah, no doctor. <laughs> please, please, just stay around for another 25 no, no, minutes. Where's my sign? I need to protest something. <laughs> I, need, I need to hold up a sign. I got to protest this show. I can't listen, do it. Listen, you're not the only one. We're, we're, we're hoping <laughs> other people stick around, too. Uh, we were just talking about that. We were talking about mustard on a watermelon, all kinds of things on Good Day Internet. You can get that by becoming a member at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. In a court filing, the Indian government said Twitter no longer has liability protection as an intermediary service against user-generated content in the country, in India, after the social network failed to comply with the recently passed IT laws, which require establishing local compliance officials and offices in India. Legal experts note that the laws do not provide for granting or revoking the status of a platform as a publisher or an intermediary, meaning the court's have the power to decide this, not the government. So it's still a little bit in question. Back during 2020, when the U.S. was threatening to force ByteDance to sell TikTok, one creative solution was for ByteDance to keep its algorithm and license it to a new U.S. owner. Well, that's no longer happening. Uh, The U.S. withdrew that executive order. But ByteDance has launched Byte Plus, a division that licenses out the TikTok algorithm and other technology like computer vision, real-time effects, and automated translations. Byte Plus launched back in June. It's headquartered in Singapore, has offices in London and Hong Kong, and U.S. fashion app Goat, Indonesian shopping company Chili Belly, and travel site WeGo are among Byte Plus's first customers. 
Ahead of its official release on July 27th, Nothing founder Carl Pei announced that the company's first product, the Ear One wireless earbud, will feature active noise cancellation using three high-definition mics and start at $99. Usually you wait for the announcement to announce things, but no, that's not how Nothing is doing it. company plans to rely on direct sales with initial focus on UK, India, Europe, and North America, followed by Japan, Korea, and other countries. The Jedi Order has been eliminated. The U.S. Department of Defense has dropped its plans for the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, or JEDI, cloud contract after Amazon complained of interference from the president in the decision to award that contract to Microsoft. A statement said that because of delays, the JEDI cloud contract, quote, no longer meets the requirements to fill the DOD's capability gaps, and instead the DOD announced plans for a new project called Joint Warfighter Cloud Capability. I don't know, JWAC, something like that. It'll be sourced from multiple vendors. Both Microsoft and Amazon, of course, will be considered. And acting chief information officer John Sherman said he will reach out to Oracle, IBM, and Google. And SoftBank's Yahoo Japan, Japan's most traffic news site, is a distinct business from Verizon's Yahoo unit and has previously paid Verizon Media a royalty for the rights to use the Yahoo brand. However, Verizon Media has now reached an agreement with SoftBank's Z Holdings to sell a permanent trademark within Japan for the Yahoo brand and tech infrastructure in a deal worth roughly $1.6 billion. So Yahoo Japan is safe, not going away. Let's talk a little about that new Nintendo. Nintendo announced a new version of the Switch game console with a 7-inch screen and 720p OLED display, so slightly bigger than the current 6.2-inch screen, and it's got OLED. Uh, otherwise it's kind of the same. There's no new chip inside. People have been hoping for a 4K switch with a new chip. That's not what we're getting. But in addition to the new screen, the new switch does get an adjustable stand for tabletop play, double the storage, 64 gigabytes, a new dock with an ethernet port, and uh, some improved audio in the console when you're using it undocked. Battery life is estimated to be about the same nine hours as the current switch, and your existing Joy-Cons and games will work with it too. If you're interested, Nintendo's going to start selling the Nintendo Switch OLED on October 8th for $350. Owen, were you excited about the idea of a new Switch? The Nintendo ecosystem right now is like being in a marriage that you've been in for a long time without a lot of love in it. You know, when your wife comes home or your husband comes home and says, I shaved my beard or I cut my hair. But you're still the same. You didn't even change the outfit. You didn't lose any weight. You're, you just cut your hair. And you're trying to tell me that you're better than you were yesterday. This they this is like the third outset of this system. And really all people want is 4K. I can't even get better battery life. This means absolutely nothing. And it's going to cost me $50 more. Like, what is Nintendo doing? Like, they know what people want. Like, a kickstand? They, they buy third-party apps for these things or third-party devices to use for your nintendo you don't need this and double the storage that's why it has an expandable slot none of this impresses me and it makes me so sad that they keep milking people for money they're nickel and diamond people and i like it's only 50 bucks more it's not that it's still cheap it's and and everybody's buying it they're they're selling them like hotcakes it's not like people are mad and and well people people don't know what they're buying right so 
um, on Facebook Marketplace, I buy and flip Nintendo Switches like hotcakes because sometimes people put them up there for 150 bucks and they don't know that they have the version two that's mm. worth 350 bucks. You know what I mean? Like they, they look exactly the same. They quote unquote play exactly the same when you play the games. I can't tell the difference between the one and the V2. You know, the, the Switch Lite, at least you can't detach your joysticks and stuff like that. But I mean, this OLED screen, this thing better look immaculate. And the, even the size of it is so minuscule. Like, who's going to really notice? Who is this really for? They're just milking us, Tom. I want something better. We deserve better. You deserve better. <laughs> I, I look at this as like, if you're going to buy a Nintendo after October 8th, you're going to get one with a nicer screen. And $50 price rise over over several years. I mean, the, the Switch has been out for four years or so. That, that seems fine. That seems reasonable. This This looks like just a refresh and if they if they replaced the original switch with this i think it would actually make more sense uh but i guess they want to leave the other one in there because you know you can save 50 bucks if you don't care about the screen but this just is not meeting people's expectations people want that 4k switch that that's why people are upset or, or even just a better chip you you could bedazzle me with telling me that the chip is 10 percent better you know what i mean something but just the screen it's not uh, to me, it's not worth it. And like you said, people are going to buy it anyway because it's for kids and Christmas comes and you buy and you buy and you buy because that's what we do. Or you just I, won't buy the Switch OLED. You'll buy the original Switch because you're like, that screen doesn't make a difference. Or if you're like, no, I want the prettier screen. Uh, it's it's. I'm just saying, it's not a bad thing to offer one with a nicer screen in it. It's just not what I want for Christmas, Tom. That's all. I'm really, that's all. Yeah. It's about what I want. And like I said, <laughs> you deserve better. Whether you know it or not, you deserve more. I appreciate you saying so. Uh, speaking of deserving better, uh, somebody in this story deserves better. I'll, we'll, we'll figure it out by the end. Cypress-based Muse Group acquired the open-source audio editing software Audacity back in April. It says it has no plans to monetize Audacity, but it does want to modernize it so that you can get updates more often. Right now, I've had Audacity, and basically it stays the same until I get a new laptop. Then I download it again and realize their updates. So they want to make that automatic. They want to push updates to the software. And that means adding a way for the software to connect to the internet to get those automatic updates. The reason your Discord and your Firefox and your Chrome get automatic updates, they have an internet connection. Audacity's never had one, never needed one. And of course, when you do add an internet connection, any piece of software, you're going to need a new privacy policy because we got things like GDPR and other things out there that say, hey, if you're sending any data, it's regulated. So on July 2nd, Muse updated Audacity's privacy policy with language indicating it would collect user data for analytics and legal enforcement. This is boilerplate stuff that you put in there. The internet exploded as the internet does. Among the data it says it would collect are operating system version, processor, crash reports and error messages. And these new collections are necessary for implementing the automatic updates and an optional error reporting that they want to put in. It's opt-in. You can say, I don't want to, I don't want to have error reporting. Audacity also stores your IP address according to the privacy policy for one day in an identifiable way. And within that one day, they hash it and only use it to identify which country it comes from. However, that day of not being hashed, because they don't hash it immediately, could potentially be used by law enforcement. And speaking of law enforcement, the privacy policy said it would collect data for cooperation with legitimate law enforcement, as well as potential buyers. Again, this is boilerplate stuff, but it's not usually there in open source stuff. Uh, at least it hadn't been in Audacity. So people took exception. And Tuesday, Muse clarified that it would only share data if ordered by a court in a jurisdiction in which it operates, and it's revising its privacy policy to make that clearer. All of these concerns 
were already addressed by the Audacity open source community back in May when Muse first submitted this new privacy policy as a poll request. And in response to community feedback, the online aspects were made strictly optional and disabled by default. They are also removed by default if you build the code yourself from source. A new poll request submitted after that first one on May 13th clarified, quote, we have absolutely no interest in harvesting or selling personal data. And originally they'd planned to use Google and Yandex for the error reporting system. And with some objections to that, they pulled it. And they're like, no, uh, we're not going to do that. We'll self-host the error reporting. Now, the user reaction in the community after all of that was largely positive and no further comments were made. The issue was considered resolved, I guess, until... FossPost and Slashgear began reporting on the publication of the privacy policy to Muse's site this weekend. Audacity's data will be stored in the European Economic Area, therefore subject to the GDPR, but it is sometimes shared with its external counsel in the U.S. and sometimes shared with Muse's Russian headquarters, where an infrastructure company named WSM helps them battle denial of service attacks. You will still be able to use Audacity offline, cutting off all data sharing. You could say, I don't want it to share any data, and you'll still be able to use it. And the policy only applies to the forthcoming version 3.03 of Audacity, as current versions have no online capability anyway. They expect an open source fork of this just because of the whole Sturm and Drang. But Owen, it, is there anything here to take issue with? So, <clears throat> try to answer that question. What's your social security number? It's one, two, three, four, okay. five, six, seven, eight, nine. Thank you for that. Um, I just wanted to change our relationship and get a little bit more information about you. It's not really a big deal. I'm not going to do anything with it. I mean, we've known each other forever. We've worked together. We're fr- we're family. I so it's not a big deal I see what you're doing. To try and get this information from you. So don't get upset about it. It's totally fine. I'm going to. Matter of fact, you know what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to tear this up. I took the information, but I don't really need it. But, you know, because we have an issue right now. Now, if you're Audacity, you haven't taken it yet. And you've <laughs> you said, have. you can say no if I ask. I'm not going to make you do it. This is the one time when, not one time, when instances like this happen where you're like, why are you so angry? Like, I know that the world has hurt you. I know that every company has beaten you down. But when someone goes out of their way to adjust so that you understand and explain on a service that is inherently free and they just want to make it better for you the user to have and they've taken the time to do this they're not a megacorp they're not about to be acquired sometimes we as people just need to say it's annoying but thank you and i'll take my precautions as i need to on my own yeah and and particularly in this case that's what happened what what you're saying should happen is what happened it did in happen. the open source project back <laughs> yeah. in May right people got yeah. a little upset audacity said oh well, here let's change this is that cool and people were like yeah okay i think that's cool and it wasn't until slash gear and foss uh, came and published it this weekend that a bunch of people who weren't around for that don't participate in it got their nose bent out of shape they they did exactly what you wish every corporation would do when a large mass group of people have a, the same complaint they said, okay, that's a problem. We agree. We'll adjust. Here you go. That doesn't happen anywhere else. So for somebody to come in and Johnny come lately and re-complain about something that we've already complained about, mm-hmm. read a book. <laughs> it repeats itself. We're okay over here. But as far as the social is concerned, what's your uh, favorite pet? Um, well, I was going to ask you the same thing. And the street uh, you grew uh, up in. What was the street we, you grew up in again? I, I'm gonna, I'll text you later. We'll All get right. it. Chinese ride-hailing company DD Global launched an IPO of its stock on the New York Stock Exchange Wednesday, June 30th. Wall Street Journal sources say that China's Cyberspace Administration had told DD 
weeks before that they should delay that IPO and do a self-examination of network security. Didi did not do that. In fact, it expedited its IPO, doing its roadshow in a few days, raising $4.4 billion. On Friday, Didi was blocked from accepting new users by the government of China, and on Sunday, app stores were ordered by the government to delist Didi's app while it undergoes a security review. China is concerned about the security of domestic company data. All Chinese data is stored in China with Didi, but the United States requires any company listed in the United States to disclose what's called material contacts to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. That includes information on major vendors and suppliers, and the belief is that the Chinese are worried that if everybody knows who those vendors are, then you could go after the vendors to compromise them and get the data out of Didi. The review of Didi is looking at where Didi purchased products and services for its network and assessing security risks. Didi was already being investigated for anti-competitive behavior, another big trend in China right now. And it's not the first to come under scrutiny. Don't forget, Ant Group's IPO was blocked a few days before that was supposed to happen in Hong Kong back in November. They still haven't done it. China's also been investigating the data practices of Tencent and Baidu. And Tuesday, Reuters sources said that Weibo, uh, one of China's top social media apps, was planning to go private. Uh, and that would cash out Alibaba, which holds 40% of Weibo. A law in China passed in May takes effect September 1st that restricts what data can be shared overseas, and maybe by then China's cyberspace administration will relax, but right now you cannot get a break if you're a tech company in China and you do not march in lockstep, which probably sounds obvious to a lot of people, but we don't see it play out quite this obviously usually. I mean, at this point, it's, it's not only not shocking, it's to be expected. I I read these things, I see these things, and I fully just think, okay, that's how they operate. It's, it's kind of mafia rules over there, and you know the game that you get involved in with when you're playing it. And with cybersecurity right now, I don't know who's secure. You know, China, even in its broad scape of taking over everything, they're probably a little bit better off by doing these things as far as, like, the cybersecurity hacks, you know, people trying to sell off your stuff to Bitcoin. Like, I don't know what more you could do besides this to have some kind of control over the information that goes in now. I, I don't agree with it, but at the same time, everybody's getting hacked anymore. Information's going everywhere. So this is their way of not only doing that and saying, oh, we're, we're helping you protect you, but we're also protecting our interests. So it's a it's a weird cat and mouse game they got going on right now. Yeah, and I, I was hearing the Economist podcast today talk about this saying, like, if China doesn't relax a little bit, there's no slack in the system. They're like, we told you to delay. You didn't delay. We're going to crack down on you. Uh, their companies are not going to become global. Companies in China are not going to want to step out of line and stepping outside the borders puts you at risk of stepping out of line just because you're dealing with companies that are outside of China's control. Uh, that could have a negative effect on this technology boom that China's had. Exactly. And I wonder if like the way that China locks it down so quickly, I don't know what's going on over there. If I was them, I'd say, okay, well, we'll let you out if we get a piece of it. Cause that, what they want is control. Right. So if you, if you lock them down so bad, like, all right, we're, we're going to let you expand to the world, but we need 5%. <laughs> like they, they, and, literally and they do just, that. In fact, that's what's going on with Weibo going private. They're going to be uh, part, they're going to be partly owned by a state backed initiative instead of being a public company. It's, it's almost like China's do it's doing what you're saying. Like, don't go public, yeah. go private yeah. with us. Yeah. And, or are they forcing them to do that? That's the thing about China. Like you don't even know like what's going on. And I'm, and by force, I mean, 
using heavy leverage yes, to say this right. is what you know. I, again, I, I I try really hard not to just go and say they're doing this or that, but I feel like the levers that they apply on things when the moves happen, I'm like, okay, well, did you really have a choice? Yeah, I mean, is it the you've best got a choice. Your alternatives are unattractive unless you choose the <laughs> choice we want you to choose. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right. Before we move on, uh, folks, if you want to expand your Spanish tech skills, Dan Campos is here to help. Hello, friends of DTNS. It is time for the word of the day brought to you by Noticias de Tecnología Express. Today's word is aprovechar. It means make the most of or use something widely. Frame day wasn't that long ago, right? Espero que hayas aprovechado las ofertas del día. Another way you can aprovechar tu tiempo is by listening to Noticias de Tecnología Express with the most important tech news of the week. Available wherever you get your podcasts. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Friday, July 2nd, the Revil ransomware group executed a supply chain attack on VSA Software. VSA Software is made by a Miami company called Kaseya. VSA is used by what are called managed service providers. Uh, A lot of you already know what that means, but if you don't, uh, they run system administration for a client's IT network. You don't have an IT staff, you let one of these managed service providers do it, and VSA is software that lets them do all that. Uh, VSA, therefore, has access to hundreds of internal networks. Revolt was able to infect a VSA update using a vulnerability that had coincidentally just been uncovered by the Dutch Institute for Vulnerability Disclosure, or DIVD. DIVD had reported the bug to Kaseya, and the companies were working together to validate a patch right when it was exploited by Revil. Uh, DIVD's Victor Gevers wrote in a blog post that Kaseya, quote, showed a genuine commitment to do the right thing. Unfortunately, we were beaten by Revil in the final sprint as they could exploit the vulnerabilities before customers could even patch. So it does not appear 
to be a case of a company ignoring warnings or dragging their feet or anything like that, at least not according to Gevers. The timing certainly raises an eyebrow like, well, hey, wait a minute. Did somebody leak out that this existed? Brett Callow from MCSoft asked on Twitter how Revil got its hands on this vulnerability. And Gevers responded, if I would show you the proof of concept, you would know how and why instantly, implying that it was not surprising that another organization would discover this on its own. It was going to be discovered by somebody eventually anyway. Kaseya itself has not been infected. That means the ransomware didn't hit Kaseya. It hit each company's VSA server individually. Once Revil gets into that system through that VSA vulnerability, it can then do all kinds of stuff. And apparently what they did was disable local antivirus and run a ransomware app disguised as Windows Defender. And from there, it locked up files and all the things that ransomware does. Kaseya says about 60 managed service providers were affected, compromising fewer than 1,500 businesses. And ESET estimates it has affected businesses in 17 different countries. Kaseya instructed affected clients to take their VSA servers offline. It's pen testing a patch for VSA. By the time you hear this, it already might be out. Uh, and it's working on a plan for hosted VSA servers for companies who don't want to even risk doing the patch. Our Revil says... It wants $70 million, doesn't care who pays them. If it gets the $70 million in Bitcoin, it will release the decryption keys publicly for everybody. Uh, Owen, will you be paying the $70 million for Kaseya? I'm just trying to broker a deal because my business might be one to 1500 Can I just throw the 45000 to you directly? I mean, just get my name off the list. I don't really got $70 billion, but I, I mean, can I just pay my part, you know? Right, right. It's an interesting way they're going about this, too, is they hit everybody on the long weekend in the united states because a lot of these companies yep. are in the united states and then they just put out a, a ransom for everybody like we want we want the payday hoping hoping somebody would write a big check for everybody else to make it go away maybe kaseya this is what i was talking about earlier like with china keeping things in house and keeping things locked down i don't know how we don't this is the new pirates of the future you know back you used to send stuff over the ocean and you'd hope that you'd make it to your port now it's just you're waiting for somebody to either snitch on some code and send it out to the wrong person cuz i feel like all this stuff is comes from inside like you know i don't know if you remember the story a little while ago with the guy from microsoft just took 10 million dollars from them cuz he worked there and he realized there was an exploit that he could do with the cards and he just gave himself free money Someone works at all these companies and realize oh this is a bad worm like i wonder if somebody can get paid off of that like i, I don't know it's just happening too frequently now. But again, I just want to pay my fair share. I, I, don't, I don't got the 70 on it's me. Been, it's been coming for a long time uh, because there are so many unpatched vulnerabilities and it just took somebody with enough organization to make this happen. A lot of the Revil people worked for Darkseid, uh, which was the one who took down Colonial Pipeline. Uh, my yep. my take on Colonial Pipeline was that was a mistake because you don't want to call that much attention to yourself. This, <laughs> Not at all. This is a better way to do it because even though it's calling a lot of attention – it's also hitting a lot of small targets, right? It's not shutting down gas lines. It's not, you know, it's it, it's not it's not bringing that level of attention. Uh, and and so I'm a little confused why they're not just going after the individual payments because asking for seventy million is asking for one point of contact. But maybe that's so. It's it's uh, I don't know. Then it's easier to trace through the blockchain system. That that part's that's what me. that's what I'm saying. That's why I said yeah, I go for individual money. But, you know, sometimes people don't have time to, to, to wait. I, I'd wait for the short money and take my piece chunk by chunk and see who's going to pay it out. Because this is – I don't know if anybody's going to pay this. You, you leak the information and then you got to worry about if somebody's even going to use the information against one of those 1,500 companies. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The, the breakdown line is a lot. I guess the way it works is you've got these – 
1,500 businesses, they all start putting pressure on their managed service providers. They start putting pressure on Kaseya, and then Kaseya makes it happen. It would be the idea in that, but I don't know. That's complicated. That's a lot it's, of It's really complicated. I sent my check in, guys. Leave me alone. Here's the, uh, here's the one that's not complicated. Norway passed a law requiring anyone being paid to post on social media to disclose if their posts have been modified and how. The photos, particularly. Use a filter to make yourself look skinnier, make your skin look smoother. You have to say that you did it and how you did it. The law is meant to reduce pressure put on people due to, quote, idealized people in advertising. And the law means you must mark retouched or otherwise manipulated advertising when this means that the person's body in the advertisement deviates from reality in terms of body shape, size, and skin. The requirements were passed as an amendment to Norway's Marketing Act, and His Majesty the King of Norway, Harold V, will decide when the act goes into effect. Basically, it's just waiting for him to sign it. Tom Merritt is 97 years old, and he uses a filter, just so you know. I don't live in Norway. You can't prove that. That's why I'm telling the people now. I don't have to prove it. I'm just letting (laughs) them know how you live your life, Tom. Tom is a 97-year-old man. He's using these amazing filters and AI to make himself look presentable. And it's unconscionable that I'm putting that pressure on you to look this good when you're 97. (laughs) Hey, look, I, I just I have a plump filter on me just to keep the ladies off me. I mean, I pump myself up, you know, sure. 15 pounds on TV. I'm like 25, 30, 40, 60 on the Internet. Um, I love this in general just because of some things that I see, like dealing with my daughter who's 13 on TikTok. And the filters that they have are just outrageous where I see adult women who are developed adultly use this child filter to make themselves look like teenage girls with a adult body and they just get viewers and get viewers. And I'm like, what kind of viewers are you getting that you got guys that want a children's face with another? like, it's creepy that they do that with these filters and no one realizes until somebody catches on like, Oh, this, this chick's 32 years old. She's not 16, but she's pretending to be 16 or vice versa. Guys can go in there and, and talk to a younger girl and say, Oh, I'm 17. And nobody knows these filters are getting so good <laughs> that they need to display it. Snapchat has a thing now where they do tag and say, what filter you're using. Yeah, yeah. But if you're using the default Snapchat, which it says is just your face, it is not just your face. It does smoothing. It shimmers your eyes. It does a basic touch-up. But even that's not real. And that's the one that doesn't list that you've done anything. You've literally got to go outside of the camera, go back in, don't touch it to physically see your face. So I love this. I wish this would expand coast to coast, Key West to Key Largo. I, I think... Uh... I think, too, that somebody's reaction to this might be like, well, it's only stopping paid ones. Everybody can still use it regularly. But what you do when you make it paid is you you make it easier to enforce uh, and you hit people where their money is and you hit the most popular people. Because when you're an influencer and you're popular, you're more likely to have a paid post. And when you have a paid post, if you suddenly are like, oh, look at you. You look really weird in your paid post. You always look great in these other posts. You know, you're not going to want that. So you're going to want to keep it you know, consistent. So it doesn't stand out when you're not using the filter. So I think it would, I would think it would have effect in normalizing, not using the filters. I don't think that solves all the issues of body issues and all of that stuff, but you know, it's it's a tool. It's a tool. Belgian artist Dries Deportor trained a machine learning algorithm to look at YouTube videos of government meetings, checking for appearances by cell phones, and then using facial recognition to identify politicians using the phones. It could then clip out the video of a politician using their phone instead of paying attention. And then those clips are posted to Twitter on the account at Flemish Scroller. 
Deporter focuses on issues of privacy in their art, so the project's likely meant to raise issues of surveillance as much as embarrassed politicians, but probably both, right? I, I, I'll take that, the embarrassment of politicians. Why don't they have like the dinner rule where when you're going in talking about my livelihood and my rights and my rules, you just have to put your phone down. Like, Look, can we just... I'm just I'm just looking up something real quick to go with this story. I'm not I'm I'm paying attention though. It, Tom, you don't have to take a picture of me on the screen. If you want a selfie, I'll just send you one directly. I just I wanted to try that filter. That, yeah, and I know what's going on. I, I get it. But I, I love no, this there, kind there of There are times when I, I have looked at a phone in a meeting or something because I'm checking a stat or something that has to do with the meeting. So I don't think this is always fair, well, is it? You're, you're a politician. Guess what? I don't need to Google something because half of them are wrong with their information anyway. I've got staffers that are my beck and call and go get me all kinds of information. I would just prefer that in that situation, not all things, but if you're in doing a, 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 a something important, Congress is convening, just pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to the speaker to speaking. You only got 60 seconds and you got to reclaim your time. So just while you're there dealing with my life, these are the rules that they should live by. Dinner table rules. Put your phone down. All right, let's check out the mailbag. AV wrote in on the subject of airline and baggage check. We we're talking about the technology used to check track your bags, have you give you a better idea where they are. AV said, "What about using an Apple tracker, the uh, AirTag, to see if your stuff is with you on the plane? I would think it should work. I saw a video on YouTube where the guy used them to track shipments he sent around the world for testing, and it seemed to work. Uh, yeah, apparently it does. In fact, they even sell uh, AirTag luggage tag holders." for you to attach it to your luggage, it won't do real time. When, you know, when it's on the carousel, you won't see it moving around. But, but you know, it will tell you where it is. I am in love with AirTags. As a person who had tile most of my life and it barely worked half the time, I still got my little tile credit card right here. This thing, I might as well just, uh, this thing is trash. Apple has done something that I love so much. I've got one in every bag. I got one embedded in my camera. They're great. They're amazing. And they work. And if you travel, you have to have one. You need one in your life. I've Our got associate producer Amos is not right along with you. It's the greatest. It, go ahead. Yeah, I've, I've recently used one on my trip to Seattle and back. And um, other than some connectivity issues while in the air, of course, uh, I, I had good success checking the location of my bags uh, both both ways. So I can attest that this is a viable way of tracking your bag. And can I give you a pro tip? If you have a battery grip on your, I know definitely on my Canon, on your Canon, you have the battery grip. Instead of putting the door for the battery grip inside the battery grip, you can fit a tracker in there and slide it up into your camera. So if somebody takes my camera, oh, I got them. I mean, I got them stashed and hidden in the bags and stuff like that as best you can. But usually a thief's going to try and look through things. But if it's inside the camera, man, they made it just small enough so it fits. So pro tip, you got one. That's a sneaky spot. Don't steal my stuff because I know that you did it because I told you. <laughs> he's got another place he hides it he's not going to tell you about. Uh, keep Thank those you. emails coming, folks. Feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Big shout out to the patrons who support us at the very top levels, our master and grandmaster levels, including Dan Kolbeck, Jeffrey Zilks, Tony Glass. Y'all are awesome. And we got brand new bosses, folks. Brand new folks willing to help us out. Matt Lee, Kenneth Pham, Adam Butler just started backing us on Patreon. Listen, you start backing us on Patreon, we get very excited. Thank you, Matt, Kenneth, and Adam. And thank you, Owen J.J. Stono. Doctor, it's good to have you back, man. Uh, I did this show under protest. I mean. I know. I know. And I, and I, I truly appreciate that, given the tr- conditions. Under protest. I, I've got to come back and, and be teamed up with someone who can actually handle my wit okay anybody who's out there knows that i'm against tom Merritt. 
Tom Merritt is a scourge on the internet. Mm-hmm. Don't trust him. Watch him twice. We watch it again. You'll see. Just watch the episode six times. You'll figure it out. If you think Owen's kidding, go back and find his previous uh, uh, appearances. This is a consistent line of of, of arguments. <laughs> I've, I've been trying for better close to like over a decade now, and nobody believes me about Tom Mare. I feel like one day there's going to be a supervillain documentary, and they're going to be like, see, he tried to warn you back in 09, and nobody believed him. If people want to engage with you in this uh, in this belief, where should they go? Uh, oh, at Odoctor on Twitter or at IQMZ.com. IQMZ.com. You can find me somewhere when I'm actually starting to do shows again and living life on the internet. Trying to be one-tenth of Tom Merritt on the internet. Just you're trying a, you're a hundred times. You're a hundred times. So. Hey, folks. We're live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. You can find out more at DailyTechNewsShow.com slash live. We'll be back tomorrow with Scott Johnson. Who knows? Maybe Owen will come back since Sarah will be around. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>